You were listening to episode 160 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody, here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and Andra strikes back in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So uh, this week, it's not a new host. This is just me without my voice. Uh, so Ryan, we might want to just keep a recording of like, you're listening to a new episode of the Game of Flavors podcast for future reference. This um, is Ryan and Dead John. Dead John. Uh, so this week, we play a little bit of Star Fox 2 on the uh, Super Nintendo Classic. And so we're going to talk about that here in our inflation deflation segment. Uh, of course, uh, this week, we're going to be covering a, a number of different interesting uh, articles and content that's been out this week so one of them being take two being really take two hitting uh it takes two with a, a legal claim with uh, a one two i could see it now that we read the article why they went for it um activision will not be part of the game awards and uh, playstation is planning a new service to take on xbox game pass you know what we should have done here this week and i mean you can look it up while we're um while we're doing each of our segments here, talking about recent pickups, but looking at the uh, nominees for the Game Awards, because I imagine that's already out, right? Didn't we do that last week? No, no, we didn't do that last week. Oh, no, last week we talked about that um, it was g- golden, games of all time. The Golden the Joysticks. Golden Joysticks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you want, if you want to yeah, look I'll that up, up, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about my stuff really quick and you can pull up the nominees, hopefully, and we can kind of we'll just chat it. on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll be a topic this week. Uh, so, kind of digging into uh pickups so i didn't have any games this week that i picked up i do need to go ahead and get my orders that i got from best buy so like uh things everybody's golf or everyone's golf uh vr as well as a uh, dragon quest 11 so both of those are sitting at a uh, best buy and you get those i did get some new magic cards though so as part of my uh, standard deck that i've been running uh, i went ahead and I uh, picked up several new wolf cards, so things like Ascendant Pack Leader or something. And then there's this other card that came out of a new Innistrad, uh, Crimson Vow. Uh, so I got to go ahead and add those to my deck. But, uh, you know, sticking with Magic, uh, I went ahead and played in my first standard tournament uh, ever, actually. So majority of tournaments I played in the past have been like casual type tournaments with, you know, modern or, or legacy. I've done like some twin-headed giant tournaments. I've done standard legacy tournaments, like standard isn't just legacy. And, um, you know, with it being my first standard tournament, actually a lot of fun with the format. Um, it's the first time I played some sort of like, you know, format other than like more of a legacy modern stuff. And uh, it was good. So I ended up getting second place in that tournament. The only deck that beat me was a black white control deck. And it was my first time playing the deck that I played. I hadn't done any sort of play testing. I just watched a few different videos from people that were playing that particular deck to get a general understanding of like how it ran. And uh, after that, I just kind of like after I lost that first match, which, by the way, I actually got a draw in that first match and we did a dice roll off to see who won. So technically, I could have still won. Is that, that pretty and standard? What the draw? Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, we went to turns. Um, so the way it generally works as you have a 30 minute match, I think it's 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, you go one like two best two out of three. But if it's one one and you're going into the third match and say time is up, they take you in a turn. So you have like turn zero, turn one, turn two, three, four, and five. And by turn five, if nobody has won by that point, then it's considered a draw. And then it's up to the players at that point to determine, you know, how do we end the draw? Do we do uh, fight to the death? It's well, it's do we go based off remaining life? Do we go based off of a dice roll? Do we go based off rock, paper, scissors? So that's usually, you know, in the past I've seen it done. We did a dice roll. I was kind of pissed off at the guy rolled a D six and he actually two D sixes. So I was like, really, dude, like I wish you would have rolled like a D20 because he had a D20. So I was like a D20 would be the more appropriate roll, not a D6 just based on or two D6 is based on percentages. And um, well, isn't it just higher number? It is. But like, I, I think the variability of being able to go one through 20 is going to be a better judgment versus like a standard, you know, two D6s. Because, okay. you know, like that's just my preference personally. Um, but he had already rolled and he rolled like an 11. So I was like, yeah, great. Like, I'm not going to beat a damn 11. So, you know, that's kind of where that went. Uh, and given that, you know, when you have D6s, your highest numbers you're typically going to roll, I think, are mm-hmm. 7 and 11, if I'm correct. So, you know, or no, it's, uh, what is it, like 7 and 8 or some shit. So that, that's kind of where I was worried about it. Like, you're going to be rolling this 
you know, these two D6s and the chances of me getting like a decent roll are actually pretty slim compared to a D20. But regardless, um, he beat everybody else. He went 3-0 outside of me and there was only six of us. Uh, but I went 2-1. I beat my other two opponents 2-0, absolutely demolished them, um, got really comfortable with the deck. Uh, as I was playing, really kind of understood the weaknesses and like what I needed to switch out and why. Uh, so I'll be going not this coming week because I have a hockey game I'm going to. But uh, the following week, I definitely want to play another standard tournament uh, with the new cards they've input and see how it goes. But like this deck wasn't even like at its full strength. I was missing uh, one or two different cards that I was supposed to have in the deck already. I didn't have some of the faster cards. Like I had no one drop cards uh, for the deck outside of like a sorcery card. And um, yeah, I mean, it was rolling pretty well, dude. So I'm excited about it and definitely want to see what happens, you know, in a couple weeks. Uh, and then as far as like actually gaming, I'm playing uh, through uh, Forgotten Anne still about midway through the game. And as of right now, uh, I'm really enjoying it. I actually do like the storyline. Um, I do like the gameplay. It's pretty nice. And uh, I really need to dive back into Tomb Raider afterwards. So that's that's kind of where I'm sitting gaming wise. I think I'll have Forgotten Anne beat by I might actually be like over halfway. I'm probably about four hours in out of the five. So I think I'll have it beat today, if not by tomorrow night. And then I honestly don't know what I'm playing next. Uh, I haven't even thought about it because I've been sick all week and even taking off tomorrow as well, just because I feel like crap. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but dude, I'm on a little streak here. I think that's uh, what, like four games in the last month that I beat. So got to keep it going. And I think I'm just going to find a few more like short end games that are like three, four hours long and just smash those out and try and beat as many as I can before the end of the year. There you go. Just yeah. keep pounding away at it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did you have any? Uh, did you find that article, by the way, or nominees? Yeah, I figured we'd just go over it when we get to that article. Okay, sounds good. Uh, all right. Did you have anything picked up? Uh, so I did pick up a box of Crimson Vow this week. Mm-hmm. And my first thing that I noticed when I opened it, because I got two boxes of Midnight Hunt, and I don't remember this there. But uh, it had like a box topper with a pack with like a single card in it. I didn't know that uh, Val had box toppers. Yeah. And it wasn't anything special and it kind of set my expectations very low. And then I opened my first pack and my first pack had like I looked it up. It had a, a couple of cards in there that were worth like. I think one was like a $4 card and one was like a something else. So it's like my first pack definitely had like some good value in it. And I was like, okay, sick. And then the rest of the box just kind of went whatever. Like I haven't really poured all the way through everything. Um, I did get like a few more copies of the things that I already gotten out of the fat pack. I opened last week Um, in retrospect, I feel like I should have probably skipped this box. Uh, especially with all of the new goodies coming out for um, what is it? Secret layer soon. Mm-hmm. I, I was listening to some people talk about that. I think I am probably going to try to go for getting the uh, commander deck. That's going to come with that just to flip it. Yeah. And then I'll probably buy uh, one of the pixel lands. That's and gonna be a good one kind of just use that money to kind of start steamrolling my uh everything from there and then once i'm done i don't know who knows where i'll go from here i just feel like i got a lot of what i needed out of opening packs from uh the D set and from the in uh midnight hunt set i think i'm kind of fully satisfied my need to just buy and open cards and i could start hopefully being more strategic and less wasteful with money from here on out. I definitely want to try to follow your example and start slimming down what I've already got a little bit Mm -hmm. and selling off stuff from colors that I just don't really foresee myself playing with or anything. Um, Definitely seeing what I could trade out to you maybe. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm down to trade like commons and uncommons too. So if there's anything that like, you know, you've only got one of and you don't need and I've got like three of it. Like it makes sense for me to get like the one extra and then trade you like other colors. Yeah. too. So, yeah, I'm down with that for sure. But, you know, I'm I kind of am going down the route nowadays where I've purchased a few boxes. I got quite a few cards. But at the end of the day, like a standard deck, like a good standard deck is like 
150 right now. So, you know, it seems better for me to put my money towards like just outright buying the cards that I need mm-hmm. and then playing the standard tournaments with that deck and then modifying as needed whenever the meta changes and just kind of going from there. And then, of yeah. course, I get to keep the deck. It's already intact. And then I can kind of play whatever else I need to. But it is nice to open up packs. Like, dude, I just love the feeling of like fresh pack opens. Well, and I like the the fat packs or the bundle boxes um, just because I like the art and stuff. And usually they come with like a little like the wrap opens up into something that you can like turn into something or some little nice art like on my shelf behind me on the side panels because they're pretty thin. Well, fat I've got. Packs- fat packs generally have like some pretty decent pulls too. Like you don't get shit pulls out of a fat pack. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like most of the stuff that I got, most of the high things like the Markov and stuff that I got out of the, uh, set booster box. Like I already got that out of the fat pack. So like I could keep buying a fat pack for each, you know, release moving forward if I wanted just to be able to still have fun opening packs and get like a cool box and an extra die or whatever. So it's like, that's all fine. Yeah, and they're usually like what forty bucks usually for fat packs. Sometimes you can get them on sale for like thirty. Yeah. So I mean, it's totally worth it. And you get eight to ten packs, I think, out of that if I'm correct. So and then it's, um, it's not bad. I had plenty of opportunity to play games this week. I just didn't really take it. I uh, just kind of did other stuff. And I do wish that I had played some some more games, but eh, it's whatever. So no progress on Mario Odyssey. I mean, I played a few levels. Um, I got like into uh, the Bowser Castle stuff, uh, but I haven't finished it yet. And then I did a little bit of racing. Um, Anybody remembers I've talked before. uh, I can't shout out enough. Noah Caldwell Gervais on YouTube. He makes awesome long form content. He came out with a really good video. Um, giving some interesting context to uh, Forza Modern Horizon 5 and kind of the the feeling of freedom that comes with cars and particularly like the American aesthetic of cars and history with cars and stuff. And as somebody who hasn't been really into racing games and stuff, uh, but really likes his context or his content, the context that he put to the game I really enjoyed since I have been enjoying that game a lot. So if you guys like that racing game and don't know why, maybe that video will help you understand. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got, what, 26 days it looks like. to be Yeah, your... I'll be knocked out by then. Don't yeah. worry. We should don't co- worry about it. Don't worry about it. We should coordinate in the future so that when I'm playing my inflation, or not inflation, but my... Uh, new games resolution that you are also playing it around the same time frame yeah it won't stop me from not finishing before you <laughs> i know but it we can start at the same time all you want it worked out really good pokemon too didn't it uh actually we both didn't finish that game so yeah but you i got in perfect. terms of not finishing it i beat the hell out of you dude i totally didn't finish that game way better than you did that's true yeah i got bored of it i think i got as far as cinnabar island and i was like eh like i'm just i'm not finding too much interest in this game to keep going yeah so realistically i should pick it back up and play it but yeah it's whatever um okay well let's uh jump into our articles this week but actually before that uh of course you can find our podcast on all of those awesome podcast applications out there including the one you're listening to now uh apple Podcasts, spotify podbean etc and then you can find us on thegamedeflators.com, which, by the way, was down this past week. So I had to go into like the FTP uh, on the back end and like mess with some crap. It was the weirdest thing. Hmm. That was the first. Um, and then we have our um, social media at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. So uh, keep up with us there on all the great memes that we post, as well as some of the articles that we share occasionally. And of course, when we spam the hell out of our episodes uh, post recording. You know, I I don't go on our social media and post my feelings about things that I read, but I read a lot of articles. A lot of the stuff that, you know, we cover is stuff from the last week and stuff that I may have seen other people talk about or read articles a few times here or there. This one, I had no idea. I had not heard of this first one at all until John sent this over. I happened to find it last night. I was just kind of looking at gaming news that happened this week. And uh, yeah, so It Takes Two 
the game with um, which is pretty much about two parents going through divorce uh, and it's a multiplayer puzzle type game uh, is hit by a take two claim legally uh, so essentially take two is coming out and uh, saying you know that it's copyright infringement and whatnot which is ridiculous but um, I really do think we need to start calling take two to take uh, based on the fact that they have so many different claims right now and it looks like all of these claims are aimed towards smaller organizations and really what I think this ultimately is, is take two saying, all right, well, let's just go pick on the little guy, you know, pretty much like these absurd claims of copyright. Like it takes two. I think there's a party, like a rock star thing that they tried to deal with not too long ago. There's like a rock star tattoo shop, um, as well. And it's so stupid. Like, it's, are it's they, petty. have they tried taking on Rockstar energy? I don't think so. Probably not. No. So I tried to... actually looking up if there was anything. And uh, from what I could find, it was like, oh, I don't know. It's a completely different industry. Well, so is the tattoo business. And yeah. also, like, Take-Two came up with that. Take-Two yeah. didn't come up with the expression Take-Two. Doesn't, doesn't that mean you screwed up the first time and you need to try again? That's well, the brand name that they're desperately trying to sue everybody from infringing on is the fact that they're not that great. Well, and like it, it, it's and it, ridiculous. The fact that they try to corpo own language like this yeah. and like this game is like done so well and it's already been out for a while. Like, wouldn't they have tried doing this before any of that happened? I mean, it's a freaking well, game of the year nominee. They did try. Um, you know, it's somewhere in the article. They had, they had oh. mentioned that this was this came up a while back. It was kind of hush hush. It's just started to kind of resurface. And from what I understand, uh, the team that has made It Takes Two has not trademarked the name specifically because of this. Um, so, but at the same time, though, like It Takes Two is a reference to It Takes Two People, not Take Two. So that's what's absurd. Well, and there's a um, song. Yeah. They use the song, they got the rights to the song. So, like, can they even try to challenge the name? of the game without trying to sue the guy who made the song. Well, it's kind of like that uh, probably predates video games. It's kind of like New York comic-con in a way, like New York comic-con won their case years ago for the name comic-con. It's like anybody that had the name comic-con within their like actual name. So, you know, it could have been, um, you know, let's just say Georgia comic-con right because it was georgia comic-con and there was already a san diego comic-con they went into a legal battle and actually won the rights to be able to use comic-con so now nobody else in the market can use it um it's so, so stupid i know so i don't even know how they won that that was ridiculous too but i think this is really just clearly an organization of a ton of money they're obviously opening up cases against smaller organizations and that don't have the ability to fight back or resources. And they're probably taking concessions from these organizations too. you know, either running them out of business or getting some sort of like, you know, kickback um, from these organizations in the, in the end. So I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's petty and um, you know, speak, you know, we're going to talk about Activision not being part of the game awards, this type of shit right here. They shouldn't be part of the game awards just for this bullshit. Yeah. I, I hate this kind of thing. I think that it's it's just so limiting. It's so boxing when you start to put everything into these like little categories and start to label off who owns it and who's allowed to use what. It's just like this is a creative industry. You know, you've got to let people be creative and like a name can really make or break like uh, weren't we talking about a game like a little while ago that like the name of the game was like originally different and then like it probably wouldn't have been so successful if it had launched with that other name or something i don't know man we talked maybe about it was games. in a video i was watching anyways we, like yeah you know some games like just aren't going to do i think it was uh res i think it was watching a video about resident evil because it's like biohazard in japan but like biohazard just isn't really that catchy of a name in English, I guess. At least I don't think so. Like Resident Evil is so much more evocative. You know, if you start taking away what you can name a game because somebody said so or it's too close to something, it just it gets ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's not even the same like concept, you know, like 
as I mentioned earlier, it takes two is about take two people. Like that's what it, it takes two people. So it just, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's take two. In fact, there's an extra S, right? It takes two, not take two. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Like this will be an interesting one to kind of follow up with. What will be. I want to see a company called take. take Sue take, take two. Take three. <laughs> Make take three. You took our name. Yeah. You can't just add two to it. We, we thought take two was enough, so we made take three instead. Um, you know, what will be interesting, though, is long term, if take two actually does win this legal case and say, for example, it takes two has to be removed from store shelves or they have to rename the game or something like that. Um, that will be interesting because those titles that are already out or the titles that are to come out will actually be worth something, um, depending on how many units they've shipped out and sold. So something to keep an eye on for uh, those collectors out there to like to to pick up like, you know, variants of stuff. Um, they relaunch it. It takes more than one. All right. Uh, with that said, though, and it, it probably goes without saying, but support this company that made it takes two. like go buy the game uh, because it's a really good ask. game. Yeah, it's it's actually supposed to be a very good game. I haven't I haven't played it yet. Obviously, I did. I played the first level. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, Ryan's enjoyed the first level. I picked up a copy not too long ago. I would advise that you pick up a copy, too, given that it's actually got very good reviews and they're going through this crazy legal battle right now. So yeah. support support the developer here. Um, OK, next. So uh, Activision is not going to be participating in the Game Awards. Uh, and by the way, that last article uh, that we referenced, that one was actually Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. Uh, but this Tom. one is uh, Chris Scullion at uh, Video Game Chronicle. And so before we dive into, you know, this whole thing of uh, Activision, uh, do you want to go over the nominees for the Game of yeah. the Year or really Game Awards in general? So these are the nominees. Uh, so we've got um, I'm not going to go over every category. Let's just run through Game of the Year. We got Deathloop. It takes two uh, Metroid Dread Psychonauts 2 Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and Resident Evil Village. Um, I think Village takes it. You know, I would love to see Village take it. Um, I don't think Metroid Dread will. Um, but honestly, I think uh, I think Ratchet and Clank stands a real good chance just because it's got that huge promise of delivering, you know, that next generation. It was like that PS5 showcase title that we were all waiting for and and from what i've heard from everybody it's been very successful it is really fun and delivers on that next gen experience in a real cool way people like death loop but death loop is just i don't know it's one of those games that everybody got kind of tired of the marketing of it because we saw it for so long and so often and so much that you kind of felt like you knew what was happening um well. I think Village takes it primarily because, you know, money talks and it's, um, you know, it's on multiple consoles uh, mm -hmm. versus Rift Apart. Um, but, you know, you never know. Rift Apart could could actually do something. Go through a few more. I'm kind of curious, like, you know, indie game of the year. And um, OK, so uh, let's see here. Um, best indie 12 minutes, Death's Door, uh, Kina, Bridge of Spirits, Inscription and Loop Hero. Uh, Inscription just came out a little while ago, and that's supposed to be pretty fun. It's by the uh, Pony Island guy, Daniel Mullins Games. Um, Kina, Bridge of Spirits, that looked really pretty, and I know lots of people like Death's Door. 12 Minutes has gotten some pretty mixed talk about it. Some people like it, some people don't. Uh, so yeah, Kindle Bridge of Spirits, um, I want to pick that one up, uh, once it has a physical release and I have heard nothing but good stuff. Uh, I've actually got it pulled up here too. I'm kind of curious on some of the others. So game of year, I'm thinking a uh, village you're thinking resident evil, uh, or no, I'm thinking village you're thinking uh, rift apart. I think Kindle Bridge of Spirits mm -hmm. takes that one by the way. Uh, let's the indie? See. yeah, the indie title, I think Kindle Bridge of Spirits. Uh, let's look at best multiplayer. Um, so you got back for blood, knockout city. It takes two monster hunter rise, uh, new world and Valheim. I think it takes two. We'll take that one. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, Back for Blood has gotten pretty good reviews. Um, I think that that'll definitely build. Monster Hunter Rise is great. I think that if it was like a Monster Hunter World 2, it might have been more successful um, since it's just on Switch as Monster Hunter Rise. New World, I think, is mostly bots. <laughs> uh, people really like Valheim and Knockout City. That's a game they just keep trying. I think that's in PS Plus this month or something, or or it's on Xbox now or something. Somebody's trying to give it to me for free again. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Best role-playing game. Uh, we've got Cyberpunk 2077, uh, Monster Hunter Rise. Let's let's talk Cyberpunk 2077 and Game Awards, because it's definitely in more than one category. Yeah. I don't think it wins anything. You don't? No. I don't think, given the release issues, the bugs, all the issues they had for Nagekko, I don't hear anybody talking about it anymore. I don't think from a popularity standpoint, it stands a chance to win. Well, it's it's really come around from what some people say. But yeah, I definitely don't think that it really uh, is going to take anything. Yeah, um, you've got Monster Hunter Rise, Scarlet Nexus, Shimigami Tensei 5, and then uh, Tales of Rise. I think Tales of Rise actually pulls it out for the best role playing this year. That would be huge uh, to give it to a Tales series game. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, back in my mind, I'm thinking Shimigami Tensei Five wins, but uh, you know, Tales Arise. I've heard nothing but good stuff. I see people constantly playing this game. Uh, it's it's got to be up there. If it's not number one, it's definitely number two. Like I haven't played Scarlet Nexus, but like Scarlet Nexus, it's just got that same kind of look that all of those games have, like Code Vein and uh, Astral Chain, just kind of that JRPG. Like, I've seen so many games that I'm never going to play and haven't played, and they yeah. just don't stick out to me. And, you know, I mean, not everything is for everybody. Obviously, I don't have a good track history with JRPGs because they're just too long for me anymore. Yeah. Um, but well, Scarlet Nexus in particular, I haven't really heard people talk a whole lot about. Yeah, same here. Um, okay, so we'll, this is the last one. We'll, we'll go into Activision here in a minute, but Best Family Game is uh it takes two mario party superstars new pokemon snap super mario 3d world plus bowser's fury and a WarioWare get it together interesting that nintendo has four titles uh within this itself um but i i would think that you know it's going to be between the new pokemon snap and the mario party superstars i would probably lean more so towards the mario party superstars but i would like to see uh pokemon snap win this one i think that um i would agree that i would like to see pokemon snap take it just because mario party superstars and mario party 3d world or bowser's fury excuse me are just you know both releases that have old content in them yeah they do have new content but they're not necessarily new games well also is... super mario world 3 or super mario 3d world is um i i don't know like that was, wasn't that? No, I'm thinking the 3D All-Star. That was a last year game. I keep thinking that was like a last year game. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing, though, is Mario Party's in there. And like, do you really consider Mario Party a family game? Because as far as I know, that's how you like disassociate with family and friends is Mario Party. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So I think Pokemon Snap will take it, though, in the, in the end. Like as much as as much as I think you know, we'll see Mario Party kind of take it just because of like the type of game it is and the history behind it. I think you're right there. It's a lot of the same old, same old Pokemon Snap. We haven't seen one since really the 64, um, at least in that style. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a nice, fresh perspective on the game. And um, I, I can just imagine like families getting together to play that more so than Mario Party. Yeah, you know, because Mario Party is just so much frustration and little kids and stuff. Pokemon Snap just feels like that more discovery and like hanging with your family and just having fun. Like I, I could see that being the winner. Well, um, that's a list of people that are going to be at the Game Awards. But yeah. for a list of people who will not be at the Game of the Awards, you can talk to Chris Scullion at Video Games Chronicle uh, because it turns out Activision will not be there. 
And I think that this is really going to be the final nail that uh, knocks Bobby Kotick out. So there was an interview the other day uh, with Jeff Keeley, who hosts the Game Awards and runs the Game Awards, um, asking about the Activision Blizzard and all the stuff that's been going on there with the sexual harassment and all the you know pushback, the walkouts, all that stuff. And I mean, he sympathizes like he's like, you know, we're here to celebrate, you know, creators and people who make games and stuff. But at the same time, we don't want to, you know, have a promotive platform for places that, you know, aren't inclusive and places that like harbor this kind of harassment and have these bad reputations. And it's came off a little wishy washy. Uh, but now he's they've come out and said no Activision Blizzard at the game awards so i think it sucks for the people who put so much time and effort and work into making those games but i think that they all and i i guess i don't want to speak for all of them but i think that you know people can definitely realize that if it takes those games not being there this year to make the changes that need to be made uh that it's a fair or it's a sacrifice that needs to be made at that point. Well, and the interesting thing behind this too is um, it doesn't just kind of stick with, you know, just executives. Like they're saying that this is within the actual like studios uh, that they're seeing these types of issues of harassment and such. Um, there's actually reports of like Kotick himself having harassed people. Um, it's even uh, turned into Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo emailing their employees to say that they're not going to stand for this type of harassment, which actually, if you're going to stick by that, then you really should just say, we're not allowing Activision Blizzard games on our consoles until this is resolved, um, which should be an interesting take. I don't think it's going to happen because of the money aspect, but you know that's part of it. And then, of course, um, Bobby himself has said that he's willing to resign. You shouldn't, like at this point, there's so many executive leaders from other companies that would have already resi resigned. Like there's no place for any of us in the workplace. And the fact that it's continued the headache, still, like yeah. you already made $150 million. Do you really want to deal with the headache of trying to fix this problem when everybody hates you and draws devil horns on you on the internet? Like you're not going to turn that around, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they have a board Cut of directors. I, ima I imagine they have a board of directors. Cause I think they're public. Um, if I'm yeah, correct. they do. Yeah. So like, cause they said they were going to back him a couple weeks ago. I'm surprised they haven't like after all of this and continue headaches that they haven't just forced him to resign at this point. Well, and especially they need to do whatever they can now to start rebuilding their reputation to make sure that this doesn't happen at E3 because yeah. the game awards has gotten huge. The game awards is a major place to release things and show stuff off and to lose that as a potential platform. You know, they can't afford to, jeopardize their image even more and even though e3 is you know failing and dying and you know we're not going to have that many great e3s left anyways i don't think that they want to go through the hassle of trying to promote their own stuff to something that not that many people are really going to turn in and watch yeah because it would well, be too expensive to produce and to boogie board on the other people's presentations you got to be somebody that they want to work with and show off oh dude breaking news uh it looks like activision is actually going to be making their own game awards of blackjack and hookers following in with their culture <laughs> article just came up <laughs> yeah um i agree if you do and you know if it's not resolved by e3 of course that's uh going to be a major issue and then, i mean of course, it's going to have to be well before e3 because it yeah. takes them at least a couple months <clears throat> to get all their demos and whatever they're going to show so like they've got three months at best to repair this reputation and make sure that they can get those deals in place. Yeah. I, I can't see him being with the company much longer. So, you know, especially like he imagine if it happens again, like continual allegations after he's like, Oh, we're going to fix it. It's, it's kind of absurd. It's gone this long. Yeah. Um, okay. And then uh, speaking of things that need to happen. Uh, so PlayStation plans, a new service to take on Xbox game pass. This is Jason Schreier at Bloomberg. And um, so really, it's kind of come out like a rumor that PlayStation is going to be planning a new service that takes on Xbox Game Pass, of course, like the article states, um, where there would be like three tiers. You would have your standard PlayStation, 
uh, plus, which is what we have today, a second tier of it allows for like PS4 and PS5 games, similar to what you would have with Game Pass. And then the other would be like a replacement for PlayStation Now, uh, along with the PlayStation Plus, which would include PS4, PS5, as well as classic games. Uh, so nothing really has come out as of just this, as of just yet and this rumor. Uh, but dude, I mean, this is a pretty interesting service overall if they do offer it because they do have a wider history of, of games than, of course, Microsoft, I feel. Um you know, Microsoft does have the PC aspect, but, you know, Sony does have a very extensive library between the PS1 and the PS2, uh, let alone the PS3. And uh, to be able to get all of that, you know, similar to what we'd have with PlayStation Now, it's some most likely a monthly or annual rate in addition to the online service. I think that'd be pretty good. Now, as much as I find it interesting, I probably still wouldn't go this route personally, just given that. I haven't had a GPU yet for my PC, but when I do, I do intend to get Game Pass so I could play more of his PC and Microsoft games specifically on my PC and then stick with a lot of my Sony titles. Because You yeah. own any of those Sony titles that you would want to play. So yeah. you're, you're a niche case scenario. Yeah, exactly. And like if there's a game I want to play on Sony, I'll just go buy it. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I don't feel I need to get a service specifically for that. Um, and you're right. I already have so many Sony titles I, I need to play and want to play that I, I don't need this type of service personally, just because the bulk of my collection is Sony. Yeah. So, I mean, the difference between the two. So Xbox Game Pass Premium is $15 a month. It comes with Xbox Live Gold. Uh, I guess Xbox Live Gold is $10 a month and uh, Xbox Game Pass regular is 10 bucks a month. So what would normally be $20 a month, you get for a $15 a month value. And it's a good value. I mean, you get access to hundreds of games, uh, which you can cloud stream, you can download, uh, you can uh, play day one first party titles, uh, which at this point, you know, is cool things like Forza, which I keep talking about, Halo, which I keep talking about. Uh, but in the future is going to include all kinds of other stuff like, you know, all the new Bethesda games and whoever else Microsoft decides to buy. Um, so you get all that for $15 a month, whereas over on the Sony side, uh, currently you've got PS now $10 a month, PS plus $10 a month. Well, PS plus is about $5 a month. It's 60 bucks for the year. So 12 times five, 60. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So five bucks. Oh, so uh, sorry. Um, no, it's so for the two of them uh, together, it's 10 bucks a month because it's 60 for a year for PS plus 60 for a year of PlayStation. Now combine yeah. those two together is $120 a year breaks down to 10 bucks a month for both services. So you would be talking about adding on to those services uh more access, I guess, to uh back catalog of stuff and future stuff growing, but they don't mention anything about adding day one Sony titles the way that Microsoft does. Like, I don't think that you're going to be able to get this service for $15 a month, and it's just going to come with God of War Ragnarok until they eventually decide to post that on the service later. Uh, I think those day one releases aren't something that Sony needs to rely on the way that Microsoft does because people buy PlayStations to play those games. People clamor for years for PlayStation to release those games on computer, which they're now going to start to do. So I really think that they can compete with Xbox just based on their back catalog alone and don't even have to give away, you know, all those first parties for free. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how they do a price breakdown because, you know, or maybe it's just a, you know, as I've said, tiered system. But I think you does... just do like do an easy keep a five dollar for PS plus. Yeah. Do a ten dollar for the hybrid and do a 15 that adds all everything. And then you're right on par. Well, I mean, PlayStation plus as or PlayStation now as it stands right now. You have access to all those older titles and such, and I think PS4, if I'm correct. So I don't, I don't have it personally, but you know, I think you're right in a in a sense. They're like five dollars a month for the PlayStation Plus, ten dollars for the combined, fifteen dollars for every single aspect, and if they can do day one releases, that would make sense. Um, 
but who knows? It might be one of those things that maybe it's not day one releases. Maybe it's, uh, you know, several months until it's added. Who knows? But I think if they're going to compete with Microsoft on this, they, I think they need to add the day one releases if they want to compete with Microsoft. Um, in I think they need Pass. a rebrand. Like yeah. just because the PlayStation Now name has been around for so long. And like um, Spawnwave, anytime he talks about it, he always clarifies that like there are lots of downloading games that you can do through there it's not all streaming it launched as a streaming service but people don't realize that it isn't that exclusively anymore and i just feel like nobody talks about it and you're never gonna really get the pull through to convert everybody or you'd have to have a wildly successfully successful marketing campaign to really push it they're going to have to have a successful marketing campaign on this one because you have two different services are trying to merge it into one. And then on top of that, if they do, and this is of course rumors, but if they try to tier those systems in any sort of capacity, you have to of course have the the branding and you've got to have the marketing tied to that to sell whichever service. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out long-term. Uh, they're saying that Sony will probably make some sort of announcement springtime, uh, which would not surprise me if it's around that time of year. Yeah. Um, don't want to, have everybody buying those year-long gift cards for yeah. nothing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, next thing we have here is our inflation-deflation segment. So this week we played a little bit of Star Fox 2, uh, developed by Nintendo EAD, Argonaut Software, published by Nintendo, uh, directed uh, by Katsuya Iguchi, and then it was released uh, really in September of 2017. However, the game itself... Uh, would have technically been completed in 1996 on the Super Nintendo. Uh, it is a multi-directional shooter slash real-time shooter, or real-time strategy. And um, the reception is anywhere from five to nine. Uh, it's a little bit of controversy in between, uh, even current controversy tied to it. Uh, so, dude, this game, I'm I'm notoriously bad at Star Fox games. Like, I, I'm absolutely terrible at them. So, for me, easily, it's just a game that I, it's not right up there, you know, and something that I, I enjoy. Um, but I, I, of course, mustered through and played this and I would say there were some elements that I liked. Um, I liked the ability to choose a different, uh, pilots and having your co-pilot, uh, on the side. I thought that was pretty good, which is actually, if you look at the, uh, wiki that we read, uh, they had mentioned that there was a two player option to end up getting taken out yeah. because of frame rate concerns and given the limitations on the console and really the chip that they used. And so despite the chip being actually a better chip, um, than the one for Star Fox. But you could tell for sure that the second co-pilot is truly meant to be a multiplayer mode. And that's why that second co-pilot is there. Uh, but I rolled on this game using my boy Slippy. And uh, we tried to take down uh, Andros and his, um, you know, his bombs that were trying to, uh, you know, destroy the planet. And yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the little bit that I played. Again, it's not my standard cup of tea when it comes to playing, uh, you know, games. I'm not a big fan of these style of games. Uh, for me, it's mainly because I just can't grasp like visually what's going on screen. So it's very hard for me to keep up. And it always has been an issue for me at these style of games. Um, but I did feel that, you know, overall, the controls were a little clunky. Um, the frame rates were a little off at times when you board ships um, to try and like destroy them internally. Uh, that in itself kind of felt really low quality kind of like early doom on pc uh if it even like looked as good as that and um it just you know i think ign was the one that said this like ign said that the game deserved to be canceled back then it should not have been released yeah and I, I kind of share that sentiment in a sense like the game while would have been great at that point in time potentially i think it still has so many issues in the end result that it probably did deserve to be canceled. Like, did we really need this game? Um, I don't think so. They were being uh, too overly ambitious on something that couldn't deliver on what they were trying to do. Yeah. Like, like to be at the bleeding edge at that time on such a behind the times platform for doing it is awesome. And it would have looked really cool if it weren't up against other better 3d uh image producing you know like the ps1 and stuff like it's just not going to look good side by side to things that were built to look good in those ways so there was a lot of strengths 
Uh, it was a really good read in the wiki on, on some of that stuff. Like, yeah. I do believe that it was best that this was canceled um, because Star Fox 64 is the Star Fox game. Like, I had never played Star Fox 1 until I got the Super Nintendo Classic. You know, I didn't even know Star Fox 2 was supposed to be a thing. Uh, the Star Fox on GameCube is more a whole different style. thing. Yeah. And then Star Fox Zero Mission, I never had a Wii U. So it's like Star Fox 64 like was the game. And if this had hurt Star Fox 64 or the potential for it, I don't think it would have been worth it because obviously they finished this game. They could have taken those same lessons that they learned from making that. Uh, but they kind of backtracked and went and stayed with more of the, you know, on rails type of experience. I do like the like being able to like navigate around the star map and like choose the order of the content and what you're going to engage it and how it's a little bit different every time. I think that, yeah. uh, the routing system that they tried to do on Star Fox 64, you know, definitely came from that, how you can have like different ways to go so you can replay the game. Yeah. Uh, well, and it was a good first attempt at doing Star Fox better. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing, when you kind of look at the history on this game, Nintendo actually went into like QA and having it tested through various parties and such. So it was actually completed mm -hmm. um, for the most part, but still, still pretty buggy. And, you know, if you, if you really read into this, a lot of the ROM community actually took this game on and put in fan patches for translations and fix some of the bugs within the game itself. But it's always remained like outside of what Nintendo has released, apparently every single ROM that you could find of this game prior to Nintendo releasing in 2017 had some sort of like crazy bug tied to it that made that just had issues. So do you honestly think that Nintendo fixed every single bug or Nintendo made this game perfect when, you know, essentially releasing in 2017, I would say no. Um, and then they of course released it in 2019 on the uh, Nintendo switch online as part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but getting into brass tacks here, man. So complete in box for, and we looked at this from the standpoint of like, should you purchase a super Nintendo classic specifically for this game? Yeah. So, it's a little confusing this week because, because there is no original retail release. Yeah. I mean, you've got the option of what is it? 30 bucks or 25 bucks uh, a year for Nintendo service to play it. Or you've got uh, complete in box, um, or really you've got the Super Nintendo Classic. So complete in box on that is running at we'll say one twenty five, uh, and it peaked at one thirty nine twenty six in July of this year. Uh, it is trending up, I think, more so because of just what it is and mm -hmm. the titles that are on there. Uh, a loose copy is going to run you ninety two fifty. It peaked at one fifty two back in uh, twenty seventeen, and that is slightly up compared to where it was before um, in terms of trending. So I wasn't sure how to break down the most expensive least expensive on this one because on one end like if you don't have a switch buying a switch and subscribing to the online service is obviously the most amount of money you could spend um but if you already have a switch it's the cheapest uh yeah. if you want the you know super nintendo classic you're gonna have to chalk out for that and that's definitely the most expensive complete in box but for the cheapest version, I thought another alternative, you can go online and buy repro cards for this on like Etsy or whatever. So like if you want it just Star Fox 2, like if you already have a Super Nintendo, you've got all these games, you didn't want to buy the Super Nintendo Classic when it first came out and it was like, how much was it? Like 70 bucks? Uh, yeah, I think it was 70 when it came out. Yeah. So if you didn't want to spend the 70 bucks on it originally, you definitely don't want to spend 130 now. So, yeah. I mean, for 60 bucks, you could get a nice repro cart. I mean, you've shown me some of yours that come out looking really nice. Oh yeah, dude. Actually, you know? I'm thinking I want to play Terra Enigma next. Now that so I think about it. That's not, that's not a bad way to do it either. You've got a couple options. I definitely think for me going with the super Nintendo classic, uh, I love it. It's cute. It's small. It does all the things. It takes up less space and you never have to change the cartridge. Yeah. Or and, blow in it. And not saying you should, but I mean, there's ways to to hack it and add more games if mm -hmm. you really want to go that route. Um, so I think when you look at overall ratings on this, I would say that 
it would probably be inflated. I know it's hard to say like inflated, deflated here, but I would think that if you are looking to purchase this, like if you're looking to purchase one of these services specifically to just play this game, it is inflated 100%. Yeah. I don't think it is worth any of these services, you know, whether it's $25 a year, $30 a year, or $60 for a repro card, or, you know, $125 at this point for complete in box copy of a classic. I don't think that you need to go out of your way to play this game, um, especially when there's so many different options out there. Uh, if you do decide, I would say just, you know, if you've got a Switch, go the $25 a year route to be able to play it, um, you know, because it is the cheapest option if you're looking to experience it. Uh, not advocating necessarily, but there's, plenty of fan patch ROMs out there too, if you want to give it a shot and, um, and see overall, you know, like what there is to experience, but yeah, I don't think it had enough new stuff going for it to make it worth it. And I still think it's so clunky to begin with. It's, it's really just not a top tier type game and something I would want to go back and play. I'll disagree with you just a little bit. I think that for the 0.054 cents a day that it would cost you over the course of a full year, uh, you would get your money's worth out of this game <laughs> if you subscribe to Nintendo Switch Online service and already owned a Switch. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, I'd say you're probably paying too much. Sweet. So it looks like we got a an inflated title this week, which is, uh, I would I wouldn't say it's our first in a while, but some I of the think, titles. I think one thing about this game's release, just real quick before we end, is that um, let's see where was it release. So, um, for the official release of this, like when they decided to like bring it in, they brought it in because they had it like shelved, just sitting there forever. And when they were trying to come up with ideas for like what to put on the super Nintendo classic, I thought that it was really interesting that they were like, Hey, we've got this in the back vault. And it really made me, when I read that, I was like, dude, what else is in there? What are they, that's, what are they that's hiding? That's a good point. Like, how many other games does Nintendo have in the vault that they've never released? That's just fully done. Yeah. Because, like, that happens all the times. Like, you hear about games getting canceled that are, like, almost finished or whatever. And it's, like, just somebody could have that. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, our buddy, um, you know, John Rue, Retro Rue Room. He's uh, got he's, that Doom one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got a Dune game that he's working on that was canceled a long time ago for GBA. And I know he's he told me in a, when I what chatted is it with now? him. now, Crystal Wars or something? I think it's uh, the Crystal or um, Elend the Crystal Wars mm -hmm. is what it's called. Um, but yeah, so he's actually got a number of games that were not released that he's working on um, on the back end. And he's just having fun with those. So yeah, check out him too, John Rue at Retro Rue Room. Um, but okay, so next week, uh, not sure what we're going to play next week. We got to record on, on Saturday, by the way, if you're open mm -hmm. for that, because I'm going to be um, going to do stuff on Sunday. Uh, but Sounds good. We'll, we'll figure out a game for next week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, feeling some Star Fox Wii U, but that's probably not the best game to play after this experience. You just said that you're not good at those kind of games. I'm not. I'm terrible at those type of games. So that's why it's like, let's get it out now. Let's kind of rip the Band-Aid off, and then we'll move on to the next better game. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. Probably, probably not Star Fox. All right. Well, this has been. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, this has been episode 160 of a Game of Players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.